Welcome to Copper's Corner Music History Podcast, where we'll be talking to new guests each week about their favourite singer and influences. And this week, I'm joined by none other than Grum Gallagher. And like welcome you to the show. Thanks very much for coming on, Grum. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we get into this week's topic, which is Hank Williams, the, I suppose you'd call him the grandfather of country. Yeah, you could absolutely. Say. And rock and roll, even. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, I just want to say... Um, if you want to follow the podcast, go over to Instagram or Facebook. It's Copper's Corner Podcast. And we also have a Patreon now as well. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash Copper's Corner uh, Podcast. And I'll put some bonus stuff up, up, up there over the next few weeks, hopefully, and all that good stuff. And where can people find you, Grum, before we get um, into it? Grum underscore G at Instagram. Yes. At the moment. I have a band camp in process. Yes. So, yeah. I'll put links down in the Brilliant. podcast description so you can find them. Um, but yeah, before we talk about Hank Williams, I'd like to talk to you a bit about your own musical yeah, career. It's, so it's, it's been a long winding trail, I suppose. I've furrowed, yeah, played with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Session work for years and touring with people. I'm still playing right with Jerry Fish, which is great. That's, yes. He's amazing. He's yeah. the Jerry old, Fish in the Mudbug Club. Or we killed the Mudbug. Oh, eight years ago. That's so gone, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just Jerry Fish now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it suits. He's it, it's it's his story, really. Like, so, mm. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's great. He's great to write songs with and play gigs with and yeah. travelled a lot of the world with him as well. So yeah, it's, it's great when music pays off like that. Yeah, like, you know, must be something else to be able to do that. Just go around the world. Yeah, I don't do half as much of it anymore though, because I used to play, when I lived in Dublin. I played with ridiculous amount of people like yeah. too many that's kind of why I've moved out yeah. to the country like some peace and quiet out in the country yeah absolutely <laughs> well peace and quiet in Thomastown style yeah. I suppose yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a bit it's, mad in itself anyway isn't it it's a different kind of crazy <laughs> alright <laughs> so yeah I've toured for years Big Runga Automata Mick Flannery did Kathy Davies stuff years ago as well I mean and then I never really had time to focus on my own songs really yeah so I yeah. had to end the dogs. That was anytime I was home for a few months. Mm-hmm. There'd be it was just a kind of pickup band, really, whoever was around. Yeah. And then when I got to Thomastown, I met Joe and James, and yeah. it just felt like the right thing to do. Like, yeah. Should myself and Joe go back a long time as well? And, That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah you come from the metal background. As well, <laughs> That's true. Amazing. I'm only getting into metal lately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah appreciating the virtues of it. Yeah. So yeah. There's a lot to it, Ari. Right? People just brush it off. Oh, that's loud and angry. And yeah, there's a lot more to it. I think it's because when I was in school, like I was, well, yeah, I love my Hank Williams and Eddie Cochran and stuff like that, and the Who and all that when I was a kid. Mm. And most of the other people in my class were like metalers and stuff. And yeah, it was yeah. really crusties, as we were called. So what did you call yeah, them? Just metalheads, <laughs> yeah, like metalheads. rockers, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, but it was just a really tight circle of clique. I yeah. found that with with most types of it does it seems to be a clique but it's I think people are becoming a bit more open in yeah. general to you know there's more than just one club to be a member of that's, kind of that's thing, true which, yeah. which is great because you know it's all music mm-hmm. and you do a bit of country as well yourself. I do yeah well I, I kind of my earliest rem- memories of music would be like Hank Williams and Johnny mm. Cash Waylon Jennings George Jones yeah, yeah. all those greats like because my mm. dad he was just yeah, anything I know about music is from my dad, really. He was my biggest influence. Hmm. So when you asked me to do this, I said, I can't just pick one <laughs> artist or one song. I was like, who's your favourite favorite singer? Um, there's yeah. loads of them. <laughs> in what style? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So, and then I go, well, 
yeah, I suppose my dad would be my greatest influence, and then working it backwards, mm. I suppose. Hank so he's a musician in himself. He tried to play the banjo; it was yeah. most entertaining. So it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He never grasped it. He was uh, a music lover and a listener. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And sure, musicians wouldn't have a job without those people no, to, to buy products. So, yeah. He passed on a lot of the music taste. Yeah, I remember like being brought to record shops and just touring record shops for hours, trying to find little vinyl nuggets yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I still have all my dad's record collection. And there's some incredible, like the MGM first edition, Hank Williams releases, Ooh. a few seven inches, the albums, all that. Like. Yeah. So it was tight when we were, because he, he was a milkman. So he'd come, well, he was a lot of things, but he was a milkman as well. Mm. So he'd come home on a Sunday morning really early and we'd, three kids be in bed like having a lie on and he'd just crank up the stereo to full with like mm. Hank or <laughs> incredible brilliant and it kind of annoyed me at the time but brilliant like you know I've, I've carried all those records with me mm. all my life like it's, it's kind of shaped your musical absolutely direction yeah. and from I, a young I think, age I think an appreciation for emotional content to songs and good story writing I yeah because yeah. like Hank I don't know it's just so dark like you can know, be. <laughs> it's, he's amazing. The the poor chap. I mean, he 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 had a pretty hard time of it. Like I mean, mm. the spina bifida, yeah, all that depression era America dust bowl stuff. Mm. Yes, like it's it's a different world now. You yeah, know? Oh, it's and different it's, altogether. Yeah, and it's just the way he got to become. He was kind of the first real famous country person, really. Mm. I think because. Because it was such poor, poor, poor people's music, like you know, yeah. the Louisiana Hayride yeah. and all that. It was the, the cotton the fields circuit, like yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And I mean, even the Grand Ole Opry wouldn't have them, you know, until he sold a ridiculous amount of records. Like that's true, so, that's yeah. true, yeah. And then, of course, he he got too drunk and they kept kicking him off. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, he's like the. He was the one that brought like singer or songwriter yeah, to the definitely. masses, to yeah. the, basically to the charts. Almost. I think so. Yeah, I think. And what song was it? Move it on over. Mm. That's one of that? his first hits. Nineteen forty-seven, I think that was. Yeah, I mean that's rockabilly. That's Bill Haley mm. before, or Eddie Cochran, or Elvis even before that even existed. That's like, true. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that song is the start of rock and roll, really. Mm. Yeah, and like yeah, he went on to. Influenced just so many of yeah. our, you know, idols as well, like yeah. you know, Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson, as you said, and all these guys. Like, it's, yeah, it's grand. His family, like Hank Jr., yeah, he's all right, but clouded by the Nashville business at the time. Yeah. So, but Hank the Third, uh, he's he, he's a he's a hero. <laughs> yeah, he is like Hank the Third is his grandson. Yeah, Hank Jr. is his son. So they had a whole legacy of yeah, Hanks. exactly. Yeah, and Hank. The third the grandson is the spitting image of mm. senior and yeah. he plays Except for all the, the tattoos and yeah, it's all like on he plays metal and hardcore yeah. punk that's true yeah the most amazing country music as well so you've been hank the third and you're there with metal and, mm. and country it's a good combo <laughs> it is it is yeah <laughs> i suppose it'll be a hard legacy to live by say oh my grandfather was hank williams and yeah people expect a lot from yeah, it and big as well, time yeah. yeah so i think he probably when he was younger Wanted, you know, we all want to rebel against yeah. what our so, so he went the punk route and yeah. the route and, and came back around. Oh yeah, country's good too. Yeah, it? yeah, that's true. Yeah, he still has no money either, which is great. Like, so I mean, nobody got rich off Hank Williams. Yeah, like, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, 
yeah, I suppose like suppose we kick into Hank's history. Yeah. Talk about basically this this guy was one of the major influences on country music, but his career was only about four years. Yeah, it was it was quite brief. He yeah. was he was kind of I don't think he was twenty seven when he died, but he was 29, in twenty nine. I think twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But he's the original tragic hero of mm. kind of twentieth century art, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I mean, lots of classical musicians and painters and all that. Had yeah, terrible existences, but. And he was yeah. one of the original like Hellraisers. Totally, well. yeah. He was just—it's—he was a bad boy, mm-hmm. but environmental influence, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I it's think true. his mum owned a, like a a bordello or a lodging room and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think, yeah, it wasn't Hank. He was born with spina bifida, so he always had spinal trouble and yeah. was in horrific pain most yeah. of the time. So, so horrible back pain. He took to do the drink to take the edge off. Yeah, I suppose. the drink and the morphine and mm. the. The rest of it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, his music and his art should be celebrated, definitely. Absolutely. I even love the old stole recordings as well. It's like the old mm. microphone in the centre of the room. God, and, yeah, one mic. Mm. And, you know, The whole band would huddle around it. Yeah, how to mix, or would you move back a bit. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. Like, I <laughs> love it. that. I'd love to be able to just nail that kind mm. of recording. Yeah, I want to get one of those old... Hundred year old yeah, microphones. I know they're so expensive. So mm. there, it's crazy. Amazing. Um, so yeah, let's go back to I suppose his start. Um, he was born Hiram King Williams. Yeah, Hiram. Hiram. I think, yes. I think there's a there's a line of thought that goes his parents uh, were, or his dad or his parents are they're involved in Freemasonry. Yeah, because there's a lot of that in America at the time, and Hiram is, uh, I think, the key Hiram. It's some mm. Freemasonry kind of. He's like something like yeah, higher up. Um, yeah, Freemason. Uh, he's born. This isn't a conspiracy theory. No, about Freemasonry and Hank Williams. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was born in Mount Olive, Alabama, in September 17, 1923. Yeah, wow, nearly 100 years ago. Yeah, wow, nearly 100 years. So. Great Depression was what nineteen twenty, yeah, into the thirties. I think yeah, yeah so the, the whole Wall ten years crash was twenties, yeah, and the, the, or twenty nine, yeah, twenty nine. It's a Black Thursday or something, mm. yeah, yeah. So this is around the time the whole Dust Bowl, yeah, the Great March over to California, and yeah, whole basically bad time to be in America. Yeah, the crops wouldn't grow, the mm. cows wouldn't milk, they, yeah. you know, all of that, and you can hear all that in Hank's songs, definitely, as well, yeah, know? yeah. But and but he he tried to put a positive spin on everything. What's that? Uh, we're still living, but mm. everything's okay. It's like, <laughs> you know, the creeks run dry and the cows won't milk. Uh, there's a hole in the roof, but we're still living. Everything's yeah. okay. That's the best so, way yeah. to look at things. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So when he was eight, then he was given a guitar by his mother. And uh, then he learned basically his guitar oh, craft a, from Rufus Payne. Yeah, as a street guy, like a homeless mm. black person, yeah. a blues guy, which is interesting because Hank, again, he's mixing with races and yeah. changing the whole thing up again. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, he learned how to play blues guitar and turned that into his own version of mm. white folk country blues. That's like, it, yeah. Yeah. And certainly black musicians would have basically influenced all bass music. Absolutely. I think anyone who had a, a, a grow for music at that time yeah they, they'd have to look to black blues or mm. black street musicians like yeah. Rob, the Robert Johnsons all that yeah, because yeah. they were the only real kind of innovators talking honestly really about day to day folk like mm. you know I mean 
jazz, yeah, some incredible stuff in that as well. But it's 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 usually more from like big cities where there's more money around mm-hmm. and stuff like, that, like Chicago, New York. Yeah. So Hank was he stayed where he was from, really, and kind of yeah. you know he wanted to tell stories of real people that he could relate to because he was one of them kind mm. of thing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, like yeah, jazz and rock and roll. And this is before rock and roll, but jazz would mean like the devil's music. Back oh, then, absolutely, you know? yeah. And yeah. really looked down on upon by white people or whatever. You know, it's just that's, yeah, that's not. Uh, like they were obviously hopheads and you know jazz all that. cigarettes and that, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the muggles. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, but they obviously were a huge influence on like Elvis and everything going forward. Mm. And um, yeah, so uh, he basically when he learned a bit of a craft from. This guy Rufus Payne, who was also called T-Tot. T-Tot, that was it. T-Tot, yeah. yeah. So he learned to play guitar and sing the blues. And um, <laughs> but then he uh, moved around a bit uh, to into Georgiana and Greenville areas of Alabama in his early teens, started playing around. Yeah, I think his dad got really sick or something and ended up in a hospital. Was true, yeah. So there was no income for the family. So they, yeah. the, the mother and Hank had to go out and work and do whatever, like selling mm-hmm. peanuts on the street or something. So yeah, I think he's, um, that's true, yeah. His, his father fell in his head, I think it was. Yeah. And he ended okay. up in hospital, kind of a, a hospice, I guess you say, for yeah. eight years to recover, wow. something like that. So the family had to basically look after themselves yeah. and yeah. sell yeah. peanuts, as you said, yeah, to get that, peanuts and sell. That's, that's street. Like, you know, that's... So there was a young little Hank on the street corner singing songs, selling peanuts in yeah, front of him as well. Brilliant. Like, yeah. That's living. That's it. And um, so he actually, when he, his mother moved to Montgomery in Alabama, I think that's where she set up the boarding house. Yeah, the boarding house. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he, I think he went to the local t- uh, radio show, a uh, local radio station, WSFA. And he just kind of played out on the street corner. That's right. Yeah, he was a kid. And, mm. and I think he was listen, obviously listening to the radio. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I, I want to do that. So yeah, he busked on the steps mm. or something. Like Until, that. And yeah. basically trying to get them inside to hear him. Yeah. And I think at one point someone said, oh, pick it anyway. We'll go out and listen to this fellow. And he's, he's actually all right. We'll, uh, we'll give him a yeah, shot. Yeah, he got his own show. It was mm. twice a week, two 15-minute slots a week. Or That's something. it, yeah. yeah. Um, I think somebody released... They found some of those original recordings mm. there a few years ago. Yeah. I think they were released. I think there was a big legal wrangling over who, who had the rights and yeah, all that. But yeah. I, th- I think they did get released mm. out there. That's true, yeah. So he got, he got a bit of a radio spot there, so he's getting started, let's mm. say, anyway. And then he met Audrey May Shepard. That's where things started going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, so right and so yeah. difficult. Same yeah, so yeah. they um they married, they eloped pretty much. Pretty much, uh, yeah. It was in a gas station. That I think, yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, it was a Texaco station, yeah. like or something, something like that. Like yeah. Justice of the Peace. That's it. Yeah. Married them, and so they got married then in what was that forty three? God, yeah, he was really young starting it all. Wow. Mm. And uh, Audrey became Williams's manager. Um, that was just before they got married. Um, but then, yeah, by 46, he's a local celebrity, um, but he's unable to make much headway nationally. Um, but then they, himself and Audrey, moved to Nashville, mm. um, which at the time wouldn't have been the Nashville that we know today. Not quite, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's famous now. It's the centre of country. I mean, everyone mm. goes there to to try and make it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's a great Todd Snyder. Have you heard of him? Todd Snyder, he's this 
he's in Nashville, dude. He did this album, East Country Skyline. Okay. And it's pretty much about Nashville and how difficult it is. But he's got one beautiful song on that album. It's Alcohol and Pills. And yeah, he, he basically goes into the story of Hank mm. Williams on it as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, pills was a big thing back in the day yeah, of Nashville. I mean, Truck drivers, and little, little helpers, like mm, yeah. little helpers, yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah. they had no idea back then what harm that no. any of that stuff no. could do. Like they would just thought, "Wow, this is great." Doctors we, we just throwing them out to them. And, yeah, we can we can drive four hundred miles and with no sleep and mm, do another mm. gig. It's sort of like Johnny Cash became a that's right, yeah, a victim yeah. of that. He became, you know, basically ruined the, his career for a yeah, while there. The and, speed freak photo. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You can blur that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah, Hank and Audrey, they went to Nashville hoping to meet Fred Rose, which is a mm-hmm. music publisher. I guess That's he was right, one of yeah. the guys to, to talk to. He was kind of one of the big publishers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he was the head of Acuff Rose Publishing. And uh, yeah, so he, Rose thankfully liked Williams anyway and asked him to record two sessions for Sterling Records, uh, which resulted in two singles, uh, Never Again and Honky Tonkin. Uh, Never Again was in December 46, Honky Tonkin in 47. And they were successful, so Williams got signed to a contract with MGM Records. Which big one of the big, yeah, yeah, big, big boys back in the day. The top. Yeah. That was 47. Uh, so Rose became uh, Williams's manager, record it, producer. It's crazy that, you know, this is all post-Second World War, so mm. the, the whole of America yeah. coming out of this very turbulent time with, yeah. you know, a lot of displaced families and shell-shocked people coming back with yeah. no treatment so yeah. it's it's interesting times mm. you know and actually yeah Williams couldn't go to the war yeah, because, because of, his, of back. his back yeah, yeah. actually yeah you, said, you mentioned he was born with spina bifida yeah. so he had horrible horrible back issues all his he, life he still went to try and join the army yeah. so he did and they just no. We can't have you, man. Yeah. You're too much of a liability. I the... think he lost some of his band. Some of his band got drafted by the mm. original Drift. Yes, the Drifting yeah. Cowboys on his early band, yeah. Um, so this one got, that got drafted or whatever yeah, back in the day, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Honky Tonkin, that's one of my favourite songs. Of his. So it is. It's got swing. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. I've actually, I played it a few times live, but Brilliant. I don't know if anyone knew it or not. That's the problem with these do, old do songs. You don't know. For it, <laughs> yeah, I think so. It yeah, still yeah. works. Then, I just yeah. love that. Yeah, that, that Kind of shift in the time change and it. And yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's lovely song. It's like a good country. It's a lot more intricate than mm. most people give it credit for. Definitely. And it is a, a, a true art and craft to be able to craft a good country song. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And like this reminds me of the, the you know the film you mentioned as well. The oh yeah, the, Tom Hiddleston. The Tom, yeah, I saw I saw yeah. the light. It was called. That's it. Tom yeah. and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. That's right. I Audrey. watched it because you know it's Hank. I have to watch it. Yeah. it was, I was surprised at using Tom Hiddleston. So mm. I was going, ah, what's this English guy? But actually, he did it all right. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think any biopic is ever going to be. No. You're only going to go to off what stories people tell. Exactly. You don't know what actually yeah. happened. Yeah. And it's kind of whatever the director thinks it should be, yeah. kind of thing. Liabilities are taken yeah, for but it's, dramatic purposes. It's, it's kind of, it, it does a good bookend on the story. If, if you're interested in mm. Hank, yeah, watch it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think Tom sang it as well. It is, like, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's so, kind of like the um, Johnny Cash one with uh, yeah, Joaquin, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. So the same idea. Yeah. Um, Tom did I think singing it, I and think it bombed at the box office, though, did it? Sure, it did, yeah. It's, I just kind of discovered it on Netflix a few same years ago. I'd never even heard of it. Yeah. Just, same as yourself. 
probably Netflix trial mm. or yeah. I think this is actually what got me into Hank Williams watching oh, that cool. film. I was like, whoa, this I, I didn't know anything about him. Like you wouldn't wouldn't yeah. come up in most like pop culture nowadays except for Mason, what's it, Mason Ramsey, the guy we'll talk about later on. Well, yeah, you just turned me on to the, this is amazing. <laughs> this yeah. kid is brilliant. I I don't do much TV or any of that. Mm. It's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah. What's his name? Mason, Mason Ramsey. Yeah, great name. He's the real deal. So like, yeah, this yeah, kid, he went yeah. to, I think he's a local Walmart, like every weekend. He just sat, kind of stood in the aisles and started singing brilliant. old Hank Williams songs and that. And then someone took video of him and next thing he knew he was on the Elden DeGeneres show. Wow. And he was like, Biggest thing for this was a few years ago now. Oh, she's huge. Her show is huge. Like. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's like modern day Oprah. Yeah, I suppose yeah. to say. But um, yeah, he became massive. He was singing "Love Sick Blues" and uh, all all these different songs. It's weird seeing a little like ten year old singing "Love Sick Blues" doing it properly. Probably. He's in the the Odlin, of course. Like that's yeah. obviously a major Hank Williams trait is the Odl. Yeah, I've tried. I just can't. It's, yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, lo, lo, lo. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's I suppose for a modern music listener, it's hard to go back and hear that. I think, yeah, that's, that was it's a it's a very unique vocal style. Yeah, it's 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 I, I think it's from uh, German immigrants mm. into America. Yeah, the Adel voice and all yes, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so he had that real distinctive yodel in his voice. And it really, really, it plants it in time as well. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. As I mean, the sixties, like was it oohs and ahs and babies mm. back then? It was yodelay oohs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then he went on to do "Move It On Over." Tune. It's a big yeah. dog's coming in. Mm. Um, that was in forty-seven, and that was Hank's uh, first single for MGM, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. I think that's them. Yeah, and uh, of course, like Willie Nelson has done a version of it since. Yeah, and great stuff. Yeah, that's a rock and roll tune. Yeah, like it's yeah that that's twelve bar blues kind of song. Yeah, isn't it? and it's got that rockabilly kind of shuffle to it mm. as well. It's, it's it's like Bill Haley. His songs are very like that structure and that kind of shuffly movement, mm. and there's nearly an upstroke to it as well. Yeah. It's great. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd say that's rock and roll, <laughs> rock and roll, early rock and roll. Yeah. Um. So it was an immediate hit. It got up to the top five. Um, but then, by the summer of '48, he joined the Louisiana Hayride. Well, that's a big deal back then. Mm. Like, I mean, it was a only show. In those few states. But I mean, what, we're in Ireland, just like Ireland, few counties, tiny. Oh, well, I suppose the whole of Ireland, a few. Yeah, well, a few Irelands almost. I've, I've driven <laughs> from Cork to Derry a few times. That, that's a hell of a ride. Mm. But yeah, these, these guys on the Hayride—that's what they do. They yeah. just drive hundreds and hundreds of miles in. That's it. Her, you know, and just. Mm. for not that much money really no, no. Like, you're talking of like probably twenty dollars if even yeah i think i think he was earning more on his little radio shows twice a week when he was a kid than when he actually started touring and, yeah you know that's it yeah yeah um so yeah hunky tonkin was released in 48 which was i think they must have re-released it again with the oh yeah because it was a different record label yeah before that was, the yeah. Metro Maria. Um, then I'm a long gone daddy. Next I'll need well. you anyhow. <laughs> um, so yeah, moving on over was the big song, and the other ones didn't get to that level of yeah. popularity, I suppose. But that doesn't That's, really matter. Yeah, it still happens now, doesn't yeah. it? Doesn't it? With some artists, like the first single or you know an early single, it'll mm. blow up, and then it's like yeah, it's like the whole second album away. syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, so he then, early 49, he recorded Lovesick Blues, which is probably one of his most famous probably songs. Probably one of the most famous ones, mm. yeah. And uh, He just wrote really honest lyrics, I think, and framed them in a way that if you read them on a page, it might look corny, but when mm. you're hearing them in that song structure, they make sense. Yeah. You, you can kind of relate and feel it as well. I yeah. Think, yeah. Really, yeah, kind of really makes you feel for him when he's singing that song. Yeah, and... it, it, it's, it's a form of blues, I suppose, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that song went up to number one for 16 weeks. Wow, that's a good run. And crossover to the pop top 25. It didn't just stay in the country That's where the money is. And over to the pop charts. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so yeah, he, when he he got a chance at the old Grey Opry, yeah, the chance of course. Grand Ole Opry, yeah, Grand Ole Opry is this legendary what, venue in Nashville. Was it Fred Rose or Roy Acuff that kind of pushed to get him on? Yeah, I'd say. I think, I suppose, because they were kind of writing together as well. So yeah, mm. if he had that, a foot that, in the door was, there, yeah, that was like that was the supreme. You, you you'd arrived if you if you got on the Grand Ole Opry back then. Even I think it's still going as well. It is, yeah, it? yeah. And, and back in the day, it was like had like a five thousand megawatt antenna, which was monstrous, ma- yeah. monstrous back in the day, back in that time, nineteen forty seven wow. or nineteen forty nine. Um, so that would have been like across, would have broadcast across the whole Midwest, wow. which is a that large totally expanse of land. Broadens the potential for mm. you know, yeah, yeah, getting out there. Exactly. And apparently on his first performance, he was called back to the stage for encores. Oh, yeah. Some people say I two th- times and some people say ten times. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in between. Yeah. But I think it's still a standing record. Like mm. he got the most encores. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. He's just like, I just want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke a cigarette. <laughs> to the bar over there. Yeah. Audrey's beating me. I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Audrey, Audrey she... Um, she, she really wants, wants to be, to be very singer. much part of it. Yeah, she, I mean, I've heard recordings of her and she's trying so hard, God love her, but mm. she ain't no Tammy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, like she was Hank's backing singer. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying that she kind of held the band back a bit mm. and she wasn't the best singer in the world. She, yeah, she did a bit of a Yoko on it. Did she? <laughs> <laughs> Although I like Yoko on it too. Yeah. Lovely. So um, a lot of people were saying, uh, yeah, maybe we should get rid of her. But Hank was mm. obviously a bit hey, easy on her. He had the lovesick blues. Yeah, he lovesick was, blues. Yeah. And of course, I think his mother, Hank's mother, did not like Audrey at all. No, well, yeah. A lot of falling outs and she didn't like, she just didn't like her yeah. at all. I think because the mummy was trying to control Hank's career as well, wasn't yeah, she? So there, he had two women fighting over him. Mm. For basically money, not really about his yeah. health and well-being and that was mental it. state. Yeah, that comes into a lot later. He, he felt mm. that toward the end of his career, he felt that he was a commodity. He was yeah. just a product. Yeah. Like you go here now and play and make us loads of money. Yeah, which and, is kind of the Kurt Cobain mm. aspect as well. Like yeah. I mean, all these emotions—they're—they're they're base human emotions that people yeah. have, yeah. And, yeah. and just this whole like he would have been obviously very early days of musicians become outrageously famous yeah, and not time. being able to kind of cope with the yeah. stress of it all. Because, I mean, dirt poor to mm. buy a gold Cadillac, you know? <laughs> well, he didn't buy a gold Cadillac. He bought, yeah. he bought several Cadillacs. That, mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like madness. How, how can you keep a handle on that? Like, mm. you know, so, with two women fighting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the alcohol and the old pills come into in a big mm. way around this time. Um, but yeah, around the spring of 49, Audrey and Hank had their first child, Randall Hank. 
think is this Paul Cephas as well? I think yeah, I think that is yeah, Paul Cephas. Yeah. That's Hank Junior. Yeah, Hank Junior. Yeah, and Paul Cephas. Some great name, isn't it? Like must be yeah, biblical. it's proper Southern, like yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, he went back and in the spring he reassembled the Drifting Cowboys, which was his early band, his, his first band. Yeah, yeah. And so he had the featuring guitarist Bob, Bob McNish and bassist Hilary, Hilius Buttram. These are more amazing names. Buttram. Yeah. Filler Jerry, River, Jerry Rivers and steel guitarist Don Helms. A fantastic steel guitarist. Mm. Yeah, that was when I was a kid, just waking up in the bed and hearing these ethereal noises coming from the stereo downstairs. Yes, mm. the, the steel guitar is... It's a particular kind of instrument. It's a bizarre instrument. Yeah. So it is. It's yeah. You can't mistake a steel guitar. Like no. it is what it is, and it's incredible. It adds real vibe to your tracks. Yeah, yeah. it just moves. What you, I mean, you're a guitarist as well. You mm. probably know that it's 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 a contraption. Like yeah, it's just all like uh, levers, and levers and pedals, and, and, pedals and, and yeah, it's all you bend the string with your foot. Yeah. And, yeah. All this crack. Madness. All this crack. Yeah, it's mad. Yo. It's real. You're probably using every inch of your brain to play it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know N.C. Lawler? Uh, no, Lawler. He's, he lived down in Thomastown for a bit. He's an incredible steel guitarist. So he's, mm. yeah, he's back in Dublin, but he goes out busking on the streets and he's incredible. You can mm. watch him for hours. Like yeah. I have done. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can kind of get some real emotion out of the yeah, bends and slowness. And and the... Yeah. Mm. Um, and of course, and, that and became a huge staple in country music yeah, for big time. Even putting a few of my own songs as well. Like, so it's oh, you have to. Still there, it's yeah. got the feels. Yeah, <laughs> gives you the feels. Um, so yeah, they soon he and the band were starting to earn a thousand dollars for concert. That's big money back that then. That was massive money yeah. back then. Be five, six grand maybe today. More, Easy, more maybe yeah, probably. Yeah, and to incur, you know what do you call it. Um, Count for inflation and all yeah, that over the years yeah. and that. Um, so yeah, he went to have seven hits in '49. Uh, Love Sick Blues is again one of them. And Wedding Bells, Mind Your Own Business, You're Gonna Change or I'm Gonna Leave. My bucket's got a hole in it. And uh, I love the way he kind of divert like his songs, like Wedding Bells, it's a real slow, kind of mournful, mm. romantic thing. And then Mind Your Own Business, it's another rock and roll track again like it's yeah. it's you know it's country but it's it's the different side of it and I, I like that about Hank because he could do the the saddest loneliest most beautiful song and then just tear it up like mm. in the next breath I mean that's incredible to, yeah. to be able to do that yeah and so he was doing a flat out as well he was yeah. touring all over the country constantly constantly then he'd have to keep going I think he still had his um, original show, The uh, Hayride. That's right. He'd have to get back yeah. to do that. So yeah. he could be over 400 miles away and have to get back for the Saturday show yeah, every weekend. Yeah, this is all on terrible dirt roads for mm. the most part. Like old cars. I mean, yeah. Both. V- V8 much, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of straight roads back then mm. in America. That's true, yeah. So basically, yeah, it's a lot more songs in 1950, uh, including Long Gone, Lonesome Blues, Why Don't You Love Me, Moaning the Blues. And top ten hits. I just don't don't like this kind of living. And then around my son calls another man daddy. They'll never That's a lot of sad songs mm, in there. Like yeah, they'll never take her love from me. We should. Why should we try? Nobody's lonesome for me. So many lonesome songs. Totally. Yeah. Mm. He, was, he was a little dark heart on him. Yeah. 
And but then also he had um that spoken word. This project. is my favorite stuff. Yeah. Like, I have to say, yeah, the Luke mm. Drifter stuff. Luke Drifter. I still have the original copy of that album, yeah, and yeah. I have to stop playing it because it's getting worn out. Worn out, worn it out. Yeah. But it's so beautiful. It's mm. just it's poetry in motion. Like there's a lot of kind of Hammond organ or church organ. And yeah. There's no real chord structures to a lot of it. It's kind of poetry. It's it's sad with yeah. time, I think. Like, yeah. mm. and of course, the story behind that was he wanted to release these spoken word pieces, yeah. but the record company is like, no, that doesn't really suit what you're doing. Yeah, you'll alienate your audience, exactly. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So he basically took the name Luke the Drifter and released yeah. him under that. It's, it's incredible songwriting. Mm. I know he co-wrote some of the songs on it, but they, they're amazing. Like, I mean, they're the basis for. Like later, you know, beat poetry and stuff like that being put set to music. It's yeah. that like textual ambient music in the back and a story coming over. And I mean, soundscape almost. Yeah, like exactly. Kind of, yeah. Nobody was doing that before mm. that. It's Absolute pioneer in every sense of the word. Totally, it? yeah. It's, mm. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so he continued to rack up the hits in 51, uh, beginning with the top 10 hit, Dear John, and his number one flip side, Cold, Cold Heart. Tune. Which is I'm actually doing yeah, a version of it. Like yeah, I, you're doing a version. I love of it. Um, and but it actually wasn't him that released it first. I think he, he gave it to Tony Bennett. Oh, Tony was huge. Mm. Oh, okay. Or someone yeah. gave it to Tony Bennett anyway. But Tony Bennett didn't like the songs. Like, why would I sing really? a country song? He was a crooner. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. Um, the lounge kind of lounge scene kind of stuff. Yeah, Vegas baby. <laughs> So he was like, he didn't really like the song at first, but then like, he listened to it a few times. Oh, okay, I can get my head around this. Great, yeah. He released that song, did his own kind of lounge like, uh, style on it, it's I guess. It's kind of a good song, isn't mm. it? If, if you can change the delivery style of it, but it still resonates as yeah. a, you know, absolutely as a song. When he released that, then it became massive. Brilliant. A huge, huge song. And then, of course, um, Hank Williams' own version became massive after that because people knew the song and then that, that's gave more, I didn't know that. That's, that's mm, interesting. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that gave more um, fame, I guess, to yeah. Hank after that. Because Tony Bennett was a huge name back then. Yeah, like, the, up there, the, Frank the Sinatra. Rich white, rich white folk, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. And uh, so a lot of other people start covering his, his songs as well. A lot of his names I wouldn't be familiar with. Joe Stafford, Guy Mitchell, Frankie Lane. Frankie Lane is the, kind of mm, iconic as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he began to they're, appear you know, on... They're, they're Matt Johnson, kind of one of my favourite bands as well. They're, um, he's Matt Johnson, English guy, started off in late 70s, early 80s, I think. Incredible. But he did a, an album of Hank Williams cover versions. Yeah. It's amazing, like, mm. amazing. I has Johnny Marr playing guitar and harmonica and all that. Johnny Marr, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, Hank's stuff, it still resonates. Definitely, you know? definitely. Um so, yeah, apparently all this fame was actually, it was starting to catch up on him. Mm, and more pills, more alcohol. Yeah. It's uh, the ever-decreasing spiral, I suppose. He got caught in the trap. Yeah. So apparently before he became a star, he was drinking anyway. He was yeah, mild he, drinking problem, as they say I here. he started when he was a kid. Like, mm. you know, it's like too young to be drinking, yeah. you know. Um, so he had his own, yeah, he... he Yes, he couldn't have one. You'd have to. Yeah, one is too many, and mm. hundreds not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, he could control it at the start, I yeah. suppose. But then um, he kind of started to fall out with 
people that were trying to help him, mm. like, like Acuff Rose and all that, I think. Yeah. What did, oh, I can't remember which one of them it was, told him, but uh, it was either Acuff or Rose. And they said, Hank, you got a million dollar talent, but you got a 10 cent brain. <laughs> and it was just because he drank so much. Yeah. Apparently he would drink for four or five days in a row. Yeah. He'd I just mean, be lost. You couldn't get him. It, it, how do you do that? It's, mm. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, he started missing gigs. Yeah. And that led to the, the old, Grand Ole Opry basically yeah, cutting ties with him. I mean, that's that's your ticket. Like, mm. you know, that's yeah. that's money in the bank. And if yes. that's cut off, Audrey's not going to be happy. Mm. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. And yeah, so they, they kind of let him go, as you could say. And that obviously wasn't great for his, you know, health, yeah. mental health and all as he well. Kind of slumped back into a, yeah. a, a worse, yeah, the mm. average Greasing circle, I suppose. Then, of course, his own marriage to Audrey was uh, in the rough patch as well. Tumultuous at the mm. best of times. But then, Apparently he wasn't a very happy, friendly drunk. No. 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 Um, so he was, you know, there's reports of violence and yeah. shouting and basically they were always fighting. Yeah, a toxic relationship, I think they call mm. it now. So some interviews with old band members saying how you know, they'd be all just sitting around and they'd, they'd be screaming at each other oh, really? and everyone's like, this is, you know, it's so obvious to everyone what was going on as well. And It's not pretty. Mm. So they kind of separated a few times and of course Argy went off and tried to create her own recording career. Yeah. She didn't really go anywhere. No. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so when he was on a, a hunting trip in 51, on his Tennessee farm, he tripped and he fell, reactivating a dormant back injury. Williams and so Williams began taking morphine and other painkillers yeah. for his back and quickly became addicted. Yep, mm. I suppose they didn't really know back then. Well, they did about yes. the morphine and stuff. But, yeah, you know, Welsh. It's like Elvis as well. His doctor was filling him up with all this stuff too, just to mm. keep going. And would have been less controls back then as well. Yeah, I suppose it's much yeah. easier to get this stuff. Exactly. I mean, mm. I think the mentality was, yeah, just pump him full of something to get him on the road and earn a dollar, yeah. I think. Just, is, yeah. yeah, energy to keep you going, yeah. to keep you awake. Um, so on 52, January 52, Hank and Audrey separated for the final time and he headed back to Montgomery to live with his mother. And uh, But apparently, yeah, the move had little effect on his music career and with honky-tonk blues, peaking at number two during the spring. And then he released five additional singles in 52, half as much, Jambalaya, that's a great yeah, song. It's, it's a good party, party tune. Mm. And so I hear that, you hear that country, Irish country music gigs every, every now and yeah, again as well. Yeah, it's yeah. still a staple. Mm. In, in, yeah. yeah. Setting the Woods on Fire is another one. You win again. And I never get out of this world alive. What a, what a pretentious tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of which chart in top 10. Um, so, but with all this success, he became very reckless. Um, so he spent nearly all his waking hours drunk and taking drugs, all the pills and that. And he frequently destroyed property and played with guns. Yeah. Murka. <laughs> Murka. Get your guns. Um, so it says here, he left his mother in early spring, moving in with Ray Price in Nashville. And um, so in May, Audrey and Hank were officially divorced. And she was awarded the house and her child, as well as half of his future royalties. Wow. Ooh. Big half. Um, Williams con- uh, continued to play a large number of concerts, which would have been multiple a week, you know, yeah, every all, night nearly, I'd road, say. Yeah. Uh, but he was always drunk during the show, 
sometimes he missed the gigs altogether. And so this is in August then in 52. This is when the Grand Old Opry fired him. Yeah, for I know he, reason. Did, he did try and clean up a lot of times. Mm. Like, I mean, he was in rehab. Well, they didn't call it rehab back then. It was, he's in the hospital. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, none of the, the cures took really. Mm. So, yeah, he was in a constant battle with himself, really. Like, you know, that's true. Um, but they said, you know, come back when you're sober. Mm. But yeah, that's in, he didn't really go that way. So he just basically sank deeper and deeper into self-destructive behavior. As soon as friends were leaving him, as the drifting cowboys began working with Price and Fred Rose, and, and Fred Rose no longer supported for old Hank. Yeah, the rats leaving the sinking ship. Mm. So they were great. The good times were rolling. That's they're your it. best friends. Yeah. Um, Although they, they did try and help. He's just a he wasn't yeah, too far gone. I didn't think, want to know. help. Yeah. 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 Um, but he was still playing that Louisiana Hayride, as we said. So he's, uh, I think it's every Saturday or yeah. nearly every Saturday. And he still traveled back across the country, wherever he was to play that. And uh, began uh, earning reduced wages because he was... The dream is over. Mm, yeah. He was too much of a liability. Big time, yeah. Couldn't even, you couldn't depend on him to show up. No. And if he did, then he wouldn't, he'd get have to pay or there's, there's been someone like that in every kind of style really I mean remember the Libertines and mm. stuff like that or even Shane McGowan another yeah. great songwriter that unfortunately takes the pain you know and mm. just uh, feeds it yeah yeah um, so basically then he met a 19 year old called Billie Jean Jones, oh, Eshmala. Is she a dancer or something like that? Well, yes, apparently yeah. she was like the belle of the ball. Oh, she okay. re- walked into a room, everyone was looking at her. She was absolutely beautiful. We all know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, um, I think the story was, he was, she was with some other guy that, that night and he went over and he goes, you know, what's your intentions with this girl? Are you going to dance with her or not? So apparently Count, they end up... a gentleman. Yeah. So apparently they end up swapping dates. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> Hank uh, spends a night with uh, Billie Jean. Hank and, Williams does Love Island. Mm, wow. <laughs> and by October, uh, which was, I think it was like a month or two after they met, they were married. So that was very quick. And uh, yeah, was that marriage ever legal? I think that was that thing, contended it? as well. I, I think in that, whatever state it was, mm. you have to be separated for. A, a set period of time yeah. before you can legally get married again. So I think they're still, well, they weren't really married. But that's his ex-wife, I think, Audrey yeah. and the mammy go, no, no. Yeah. Because that would have meant, I'm sure, the new wife would have been entitled to half. <laughs> so this is where yeah. the legalities get crazy. Yeah. Apparently, I think he uh, got Billie Jean pregnant, so he had to sign up to support the baby as well. And he had another girlfriend called wow. Bobby Jett. Oh, that's right. They had yeah. a kid as well, didn't they? And actually, he, the kid was born like a few weeks after he yeah. died. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, another thing. Uh, but by the end of the year, Williams was having heart problems. And Toby Marshall, the con man doctor, was giving him various prescription drugs to help soothe the pain. So he was getting a cocktail of yeah. anything. Numb. Yeah. So he couldn't feel the pain, just mm-hmm. work. Crack on. And he'd hop into a bottle of whiskey as well, I'd say. Never a good mix, like, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, So this, now we're coming up to the end of his... The end days. End days. It is a really tragic end, like, isn't it? Absolutely. 
And I don't think he even knew the driver. I always thought it was like one of his band or something was driving him. But mm. no, it's just some college student. Hired gun, yeah, yeah. Hard, hard driver, yeah. And the kid, I don't think, even realised for a few hours that yeah. he was carting a cadaver around in mm. the back, not a genius artist like yeah. going to his next gig. It was yeah. terrible. So, so was it really snowy or something and they got... Could have been, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. They, they couldn't make one gig or something, so they went on to the other one. Mm. It was a horrific drive. Yeah, yeah. New Year's Eve, dead of winter, That's it. no aircon, mm. just a no load, heating. load of whiskey. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and January 1st, 1953, Hank was scheduled to play a concert in Canton, Ohio, and he was scheduled to fly out of Knoxville, Tennessee on New Year's Eve, but the weather was so bad, I think it was so snowy, as you said. Oh, yeah. He had to hire a chauffeur, a chauffeur, a driver to help him drive, uh, sorry, to drive him to Ohio in his new Cadillac. Um, well, that's a long drive. That's Tennessee to Ohio. Oh, I haven't fathom how long. That's, that's stupid. Multiple double figures. Hours yeah, worth. yeah. Um, before they left, Williams was injected by this probably Toby Marshall, the con, doc, con man doctor. I inject him with two shots of vitamin B12 and morphine. It's crazy, the vitamin B12. There was, oh, it's a vitamin B shot. It was the same with, uh, in the, like, Velvet Underground in the mm. 60s. There was this doctor that you they'd go to for their vitamin B12 shots, but it was, you know, amphetamines or whatever, yeah. like the little booster shots. Mm. Like, yeah. So he got into the back seat of the catalogue and allegedly with a bottle of whiskey. Mm. And uh, so the teenage chauffeur uh, headed out for Canton. Um, so he was huddled up in the back of this Cadillac, yeah. probably lying down on the seat, trying to get sleep, yeah. trying to prepare for the gig or just yeah. to deal with the pain as well. He's, at the time, time, he was still in back agony. Yeah, I think he was in a fight before that as well. Mm. I think in the autopsy, it came up that he'd been like kicked in the chest and he had a ah. massive bruise on his head and stuff. So yeah. it's, they still don't really know he, a few days leading up what exactly happened there might be extraneous circumstances mm. that yeah could have gone to a fight and gotten out exactly. shot to ribs and yeah 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 um, but, uh, yeah heart attack or whatever yeah. yeah so basically the driver was stopped by a cop for I think for speeding and the policeman noticed Hank's lying in the back scene he says he looks like a looks dead to me he looks like a dead man and of course the driver had his you know his eyes in the road didn't really yeah. He just thought Hank was sleeping. So oh, the drunk's asleep, thank yeah, you. Yeah, some silence <laughs> yeah. for a while. Uh, so William was taken to a West Virginia hospital and he was officially cleared dead 7am on January 1st, 1953. Happy New Year. Mm. Wow. Uh, New Year's morning, pretty much. Uh, so he died on the back of it, in the back of his Cadillac on the way to his concert. It, that's pretty rock and roll. Like mm. It's tragic and awful, but it's pretty rock and roll. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um... And the last single he releases, I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive. No, that's... that's, that's prof- prophetic kind exactly, of... Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Great um, song. Yeah, so he's 29 when he died. Yeah, that's... So he was on the top of the world for four years. Mm. That was his... You know, he obviously he was playing for all his life, but the four, last four years is when he became yeah, massive. Yeah, he, he was the golden boy up mm. there. Up, yeah, he was top of the pile, really. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And he influenced so many people, like... I love all the outlaw country people like Waylon, Willie yeah. and, you know, all that. Merle Haggard and 
you know, Hank's their hero kind of thing. Mm. It's that. Of course, Waylon Jennings has a song. I don't think Hank would have done it this way. Yes, that's right. That song, yeah, yeah. Playing in Nashville and the new Nashville wants you to, um, you know, wear a shiny suit yeah. and, yeah. you know, cut your hair. and It's a business, boys. Yeah. 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 Hank wouldn't want to have done it this way. Um, but yeah, he was buried in Montgomery, Alabama, where he was um, grew up. Uh, three days after, and I think it was twenty five thousand people went to the funeral. Yeah, I think it was massive, ridiculously large. There, there was, I read a book years ago, and there was a bit in it about Hank, and it said that they had to have two services or something. There was that many, so many people, people. I, but I don't know if that's true or not. Mm. Apparently, it was the larger. Largest crowd since Jefferson Davis was inaugurated as president of the Confederacy in 1861. Wow. That's the biggest crowd since then, nearly 100 years. Hank affected a lot of people. Mm. Um, I think he was so broke as well for his second marriage. I think they did it like a gig. So they charged people. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they got married. Billy Jean himself got married, I think, three times once officially, twice on stage. As part of the gig, yeah, I and knew they charge tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's business. <laughs> so to get to get married on stage and then do a few songs, yeah, and yeah, that was and they did it twice. Wow! <laughs> so that was because uh, he he did blow a lot of money, like a mm. lot. Have you read the biography? I think it's called Your Cheating Heart. No, I must do it all. Uh, I had a look for it at home, but been so much moving around. It's it's in one of my boxes of books somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's brilliant, really mm. good. Um, so yeah, a lot of people went to the funeral, obviously, a lot of country singers. Audrey Williams went as well. Um, and then the song I'll never get with this world reached number one immediately after his death. And um and it was followed by a lot of songs that he would have recorded before his death. Yeah. Um a lot of number ones, Your Cheating Heart, that's another Tune. big song. Kaliga. Yeah. It's kinda of like a little kid's tune. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's really so yeah, it's, again, it's like from your cheating heart to little kids nursery mm. rhyming kind of stuff. Uh, take these chains from my heart. Um, like that could be a soul tune. Ray, Char- Ray Charles did a couple of Hank Williams tunes yeah. as well. That could be one. I might be wrong. But, yeah, Ray yeah. Charles, he was actually involved in the country scene a lot. He yeah. did um, songs of Willie Nelson and yeah. uh, Pancho and Lefty. And <laughs> and what's the, the, the Altar of the Sun? What's that song? Seven Spanish Angels. Oh, really? Wow. He did that okay. with Willie Nelson as well. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so after his death in MGM, the record company wanted to keep issuing Williams' records. Of course they did. Of course yeah. they did. Um, so they took some of his original demos and overdubbed bands onto the original recordings. And first these Weary Blues from Waiting was a hit. Others weren't quite so successful. Uh, but then in 61, he was one of the first inductees into the Country Hall, Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm, well deserved. Mm. And he actually got a Pulitzer Prize. Really? For, I think, the Luke to Drifter stuff. Really? But then wow. all of this was after his death, so oh, in the early okay. 60s. So he got huge recognition. Oh, I never knew that. That's amazing. Mm. Hanky got a Pulitzer. Mm. Jeez, he's, he's arrived in the literary world as well. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so throughout the 60s, Williams' records was re- were released in overdub versions featuring heavy strings. Uh, yeah, there was that whole movement during that time, wasn't mm. there? It's like the the Nelson Riddle strings, like even Glenn Campbell. I mean, I love his songs. They've got those Wichita Line Man, yeah, those real lush <laughs> orchestral yeah. arrangements. Love that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, for a lot of these years, apparently they were the only um, versions of the songs you could get. You couldn't get the older versions. Oh, you could I, only get these overdubbed string added string added versions. I've never actually heard many of mm. those overdubbed ones. Wow. Must, yeah, I must look them up and see if yeah. you can get them. Um, Thank you. Thanks to my dad, I have the original record. The original, <laughs> yeah. And it's only in the 80s when his music was released on compact disc was his catalogue fully restored to his original form. And uh, so, yeah, he went, he went on to be absolute legend. Big time, yeah. Huge influence on many It's, it's like musicians. most of the greats, isn't it? Like they're, they're only really appreciated after they've gone. They're like painters, Van Gogh yeah, and exactly, all these painters have pen, died penniless. And doing something so new and diverse mm. that nobody really understands it so it's it's only decades later like oh actually that was really good yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. That's, it's when you see the imitators coming up it's like <laughs> oh he was brilliant yeah that's true <laughs> yeah. yeah really he really left a legacy mm. and of course the word. yeah and of course he had his own legacy on his son Hank William Jr yeah he, he did, became he, a, he had a tragic he fell off a mountain or something yes and it affected this. his whole like I think vocal cords, but that's why he grew the beard and the hair and oh, the sunglasses because yeah, yeah. his whole face was cut up to bits. Like mm. yeah. yeah, he became a huge star in his own. Where he had songs like uh, "Leave His Whole Country Boy Alone." Oh, yeah. What's the name of that song? I can't remember the top of my head now, but his There's, real outlaw sound yeah, as well. He was a part of that gang, really, yeah. wasn't he? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, and and then Hank the third, the third. Then this is uh, great grandson. Yeah, yeah. So. He's still gone. Yeah. He's, yeah, as you said, he's gone into punk, he got into metal, he got into country. Brilliant. And he's this an image of his granddad. It's kind of mm. scary looking. Like, yeah. He, there's a famous shot of Hank, I think, coming out of jail in just the white vest and looking all disheveled and stuff. <laughs> and Hank the third, that looks exactly like grandpa coming out of jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. And um, he actually released, let me see, it was here somewhere. I think he re- released about 250 songs. Hank yeah, William did. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote 120 of them, so half of them nearly. Yeah, it, it, I mean, for such a short career to have written that much quality work as well, you know. Yeah, it's, there's 225 songs, and wow, he wrote 128 of them. Five years. Five years. Look at him, he's only a whippersnapper. Yeah. And he would have been, all the ladies would have loved him. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool-looking dude. Mm. Yeah. There he is. So he wore, he wore this, the special posthumous Pulitzer Prize in 2010. Or songwriting. Brilliant. It doesn't win the more details. Well. Pulitzer. I mm. love his nudie suits. You know, the nudie who used to design all the suits for the, the country and Western people. Yeah. Hank was kind of got him famous as well as he, he's, he was the go to clothes designer then. Yeah, for kind of flamboyant suits yeah, with yeah. Yeah. tassels and things like yeah, that. And even the, those like just little motif embroidery and stuff mm. like that. Great. Absolutely. So he was a fashion influencer, Absolutely. a literary yeah. influencer, a music influencer. Mm. You can, and thankfully you can go on to the likes of Spotify now and you can hear these old songs. Yeah. It's fantastic, yeah. you know, so it hasn't been lost, thankfully, you know, it's no, been put it's out a, there. The internet's a great thing for mm. a bit of research and yeah, educating yeah. ourselves and you have your, your vinyls would it I do I much I'd prefer love to them. hear them someday <laughs> <laughs> I was but, going to bring a few up today yeah, but then I wasn't oh well but definitely yeah I'll, I'll, I'll class, be alone yeah. of a few they're so good I don't even have a player so <laughs> um, I'll show them to you yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that looks lovely um, but yeah that's pretty much the life and times of yeah I'd to go and visit his gravesite actually mm. it's America it's over there mm. COVID America yeah yeah, yeah. 
But um, so, yeah, how would you think he would have influenced your own music? Uh, I think, yeah, like I said, the Luke to Drifter stuff really hit me when I was a kid. Mm. Just weird for a spoken word, ambient steel guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, I suppose after that, I started getting into Eddie Cochran, the Bill Haley, Eddie Cochran. So yeah. it's this natural kind of progression. And then the outlaw kind of music. And that was all in my childhood. And then when I started finding my own musical interests, it was like, I mean, I used to love Fields of the Nephilim. Like mm. they were cowboy goths. Like they, they were <laughs> incredible. They were. Dirty Big Gretches and cowboy outfits. Yeah. There was like, they were influenced by Hank Williams and they turned it into goth music. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, look these guys up. Brilliant. I'll send you a link when, yeah. I, when I get home later. They're yeah. great. And just really good songs, I think I've always been interested in. And yeah. that, I love a twangy guitar as well. Mm. Let's see, I mean, you know, I play me big hollow bodies and with me Bigsby's. So, yeah. I think that's it. I've always tried to emulate that kind of steely country guitar hollow body sound mm. but with the Bigsby tremolo and stuff like that and simple structures yeah and three chords on the truth yeah and throw in a few sevenths and mm. the seventh moves the whole thing like you yeah. know it's incredible um yeah I just all the music I've ever heard in my life I always keep coming back to a Hank Williams record yeah. and it's it's my safe place to go to you exactly. know I, I know what's there and I, yeah. I know I can feel it and I can sit back and forget about everything yeah. and just listen and yeah. appreciate like, yeah. as you said you can feel it like you can feel the, the pain in his voice totally, yeah. and, and the joy and the happy and stuff the joy, as well like yeah. the jambalaya that's a party tune you yeah know. that's it still played to this day totally yeah uh, yeah and, and just being able to get that range of emotion into like a three minute format it's, mm. it's incredible like yeah. I think you know exactly of course, in today's popular country we mentioned earlier, it's the, the biopic film I Saw the Light. Yeah, which yeah. Tom Hiddleston and, and Elizabeth Olsen, and I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. I think I went to look for it there a few months ago, and right. it's gone again. You know, things yeah. come and go the whole time, and that. I'm sure it's on one of the streamies and it's somewhere. Yeah, one of the many fifty of them now there is. Um, but yeah, and of course, uh, young Mason Ramsey kind of brought his music yeah, back that, a few that, years ago that's as an well. And, that. Yeah, He's, that's cool. He was doing the whole yodeling as well, and yeah. he became massive there for a while. And I think, yeah, he loves his blues and yeah. hey, good looking. We didn't actually mention hey, good looking. Oh, there's a, that didn't come up there. Good chin. Yeah, like, yeah. even growing up, I think I kept hearing my mother sing hey, good looking. Brilliant. What you got cooking? And that was all, just that one line. Yeah, and it's just like ingrained in my head from a young age. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. So I just remember that from a very young age. The, the good stuff, it, it stays in there. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that comes to, I suppose, the end of the third episode. Wow, that, that was great. Yeah, that, thanks. Yeah, we could go on more, but I think <laughs> there's enough information there for I think we did, so. yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks again very much for coming on. Absolute pleasure really appreciate to be here. It. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah it's and good. Tell again the people where they can find you. Um, I'm on Instagram at uh, grum underscore g. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And I'll be fixing my Bandcamp thing in yeah. a bit. Like, but if you want to see me in real life, i tour and gigging with Jerry Fish all the time so yeah uh, yeah there you go hopefully get to see you someday playing with them oh, I, and yeah Mick Flannery album I really enjoyed doing that yeah his second album that's that'd be one of the highlights of my 
musical career mm. so far. Because Mick actually, some of the song, the way Mick Flannery writes songs, they have that Hank Williams element. To yeah, it, like, yeah, you know, just that raw honesty, like and mm. really well structured lyric. I think you have to be a really good editor to write a good song, you know, because yeah. you have to edit all, it all down into little nuggets, like, you know. Nuggets of gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah Mick Flannery, he's, he's a bit of Hank Williams in him as well. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, pretty much anything I do, if it hasn't got a bit of Hank in it, I don't yeah. do it really. Like, or that, that ethos of just pure raw honesty and mm. simplicity as well. Because like, yeah. sometimes simplicity can sound so difficult, but yeah, it's very hard to do a simple song yeah, sometimes. Big, big time, yeah. <laughs> but as they say, it's not what you play, it's what you leave out. Isn't yeah, it? the notes you don't play. There you go. Yeah. Of course, you, you recorded the song recently, it was a Gunslinger, what was the cover? Oh yeah, The Last Gunfighter the Last Ballad. Gunfighter. Yeah, that's a Guy Clark tune. It's mm. an incredible song. And, uh, and you did a great version of the real, the tone and the atmosphere just drew me straight in. When yeah, I, heard it. I really enjoyed it. It was a little exercise for myself because, mm. um, yeah, I bought this gorgeous little acoustic before covid happened thankfully yeah so i've just been on the couch playing being an acoustic troubadour at home yeah. for covid so i yeah. kind of got into back into just that simple stuff mm. of course that's on your in your instagram it is actually you have to put up on the old spotify and that now and get it up well, I'll, I'll get my get my um digital domain sorted mm. but i think some of the reason i i did that uh, last gunfighter because waylon did back and vocals on waylon jennings like on the original yeah. So I got a uh, John, uh, John Colbert, good friend. Actually, he's living over in Wexford now oh, as yeah. well. Uh, he has an incredible band, uh, Black Bank Folk. They're amazing. They're just such a good modern folk band. Yeah, look up, really yeah. good songwriting. And John, he, he plays with everyone as well. Like he's he's a, a road brother. Like mm. He's just Damien Dempsey, Casey, Jerry Fish. So yeah, there's. And he loves his country too. So yeah. yeah, he was delighted to help me out with the Brilliant. last gunfighter. So yeah. yeah, I think country is coming back in a good way. I think yeah, country for the win. I mean, everything yeah. else kind of it's yeah, it was it's always there. The first really accessible contemporary twentieth century music that wasn't elitist, I suppose. Mm. Like yeah, yeah. Of course, the whole outlaw music, the whole outlaw movement was. Yeah. These guys want to sing their own songs, their own totally, way. Totally, yeah. Not having Nashville tell them to be yeah, all oh sparkly no, you, and You have to get the strings polished. in and stuff. Mm. Yeah. If they make a note, if they make a dud note in the recording, it's grand, leave it yeah, in. It's grand, it's natural. I've been getting away with that for you. Do it twice. It's, <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for joining us again. You can always follow the podcast on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Copper's Corner Podcast. And you can go over to Patreon if you'd like to help support the show in any way. Uh, no worries if not it's all good but um, patreon.com forward slash uh, coppers corner podcast and again thanks very much Grum oh, thanks for, coming for having on. me and I hope you hope you enjoyed your time I here I did it's been a pleasure yeah my first <laughs> little body interview yeah, yeah. hopefully many more right. yeah yeah Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Start your own podcast. You have a great voice for the podcast. So you can start your own I, one. Terrible. I've done so many radio <laughs> interviews. I've done a lot of radio interviews over the years. Yeah. And every time they say, oh, you have a great voice for radio. And I always go, well, give us a job then. Give us a job. Nobody's yeah. given me a job <laughs> yet. So. I know they yeah. hear this and it's like, you can't not give you a job then after this. Brilliant. Well, fingers <laughs> crossed. Twitchwood. Nice so, one. Thanks. Oh, no bother. But then, thanks very much for joining us. And I hope to see you again next week. All the best. Mm.